Turn to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. Somebody said, I don't tell, I don't tell anybody what I'm preaching on because I don't want the devil to find out before I do it. <laughs> Luke chapter 23. I'm going to read verses 1 through verse 25 of Luke chapter 23. And the whole multitude of them arose and led him unto Pilate, And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation, and forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ, a king. Pilate asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answered him and said, Thou sayest it. Then said Pilate the chief priests and to the people, I find no fault in this man. And they were the more fierce, saying, He stirreth up the people teaching throughout all Jewry, beginning from Galilee to this place. When Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked whether the man were a Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he belonged under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who himself also was at Jerusalem at that time. And when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad, for he was desirous to see him a long season, because he had heard many things of him, and he hoped to have seen some miracle done by him. Then he questioned him in many words, but he answered him nothing. And the chief priests and scribes stood and vehemently accused him. And Herod with his men of war set him at naught and mocked him and arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him again to Pilate. And the same day Pilate and Herod made friends together before they were at enmity between themselves. And Pilate, when he had called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people, said unto them, Ye have brought this man unto me as one that perverteth the people. And behold, I have examined him before you have found no fault in this man touching those things whereof ye accuse him, nor yet Herod, for I sent you to him, and lo, nothing worthy of death is done unto him. I will therefore chastise him and release him, for of necessity he must release one unto them at the feast. And they cried out all at once, saying, Away with this man, release unto us Barabbas, who for a sedition, or a certain sedition made in the city and for murder was cast into prison. Pilate, therefore, willing to release Jesus, spake again unto them. But they cried, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. And he said unto them the third time, Why? What evil hath he done? I have found no cause of death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. And they were instant with loud voices, requiring that he might be crucified. And the voices of them and the chief priests prevailed. And Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they required, And he released unto them that for sedition and murder was cast into prison, whom they desired. But he delivered Jesus to their will. Lord, as blessing to his word, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and privilege we have to open thy precious word. We thank you for our lovely Lord Jesus, who laid down his life for us and took it up again, that we might have life more abundant in him. Lord, I do pray this morning as we consider this passage of scripture and consider this man, Pilate, a man who tried to save himself. I pray, Father, that we would search our own hearts before you this morning and help us to see our need. Help us to see we as ourselves as we really, really are, guilty for a holy and righteous God in need of a Savior. Now, Lord, just speak to us encourage us Challenge us, I pray, in Jesus' name.
I titled this message simply, The Man Who Tried to Save Himself. The Man Who Tried to Save Himself. Somebody said, well said probably, that we're not sure who's on trial here. Jesus or Pilate? Think about it. But here, you know, Pilate, you know, three times has stated, you know, he's declared his innocence three times, I find no fault in him. And yet, he condemned Jesus to be crucified. You know, what would cause a man who would find someone innocent to do such a thing? Well, I'm going to give you three things this morning that are characteristic of humanity that causes us to forsake the truth, not stand for the truth, and to stand against God. First of all, he halted between two opinions. Notice verse 4 says, Then said Pilate the chief priest unto the people, I find no fault in this man. Now, that should have been enough right there to settle the matter. But it didn't stop there. Again, verse 13, of course, he's declaring his innocence here. Verse 13, and Pilate, when he had called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people, said unto them, Ye have brought this man unto me as, as one that perverteth the people. And behold, I have, having examined him before you, have found no fault in this man, touch of these things, Whereof ye accuse him, no, nor yet Herod. So he, he even had a second witness against him. For I sent you to him, and lo, nothing worthy of death is done unto him. I will therefore chastise him and release him. And begin in verse 22, it says, And he said unto them the third time, Why, what evil hath he done? I have found no cause of death in him. So he declares his innocence, and, and, and you know, he states over and over again, uh, I find no fault. In fact, John says, he said to them, I find no fault at all in him. So the question is, why is Jesus still being held? Why is he still being held? Here's Elijah, remember Elijah said to the Children of Israel in 1 Kings 18.21 says, Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal be God, then follow him. And the people answered him, Not a word. Not a word. See, failure to act on something we know to be right often leads to greater temptation In other words, we don't make a decision. We know something is right, and yet we don't decide on it. We don't act on it. We just, we just, you know, do nothing. Kind of reminds me of Balaam in the Old Testament scriptures. You know, the the the, the king of Balaam sent, or the king of Moab sent to Balaam, asking Balaam to come curse the children of Israel. And so he, he, sends, he sends with his, these men the rewards of divination in his hand, money paying him, some great gifts to pay him to come curse the people of Israel. And, and, and Balaam said, well, I can't do anything more than the word of the Lord. So the Lord, 
Balaam goes to the Lord and says, what shall I do? And the Lord says, don't go. Don't go. So he goes back to the men and says, the Lord forbid me to go with you. So the men go back to the king of Moab. So the king of Moab sends again and sends more and greater gifts. And again they ask Balaam, what should have Balaam have done? Balaam should have said, I already told you I can't go. Just forget it. But no, he, you know what his problem was? He sold those gifts. And so he goes to the Lord again and asks again, you know, shall I go with these men? Ecclesiastes 8.11 says, Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the hearts of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. You know, if we don't act on something we know to be right, that we should act on, it often, again, it often leads to greater temptation and sin. You know, 2 Corinthians 6.2 says, For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. In Hebrews 3, verses 12 through 15, rather Hebrews says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast in the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. Don't put it off tomorrow while it's today. See, Pilate's problem was he halted between two opinions. The people's and his own. You know, it's funny. After it's all said and done, he makes a plaque and writes on it, the, the king of the Jews. And so they chide him about writing that, and he said, what I have written, I have written. Why didn't he say that the first time? So we hold it between two opinions. second thing we see here is he gave heed, <coughs> excuse me, to the pressures of his circumstances. Notice verses 24. And verse 25, it says, And Pilate gave sentence that it should be, notice, as they required. Notice, it's not something he required, but as they required. It wasn't something that was right, it was as they required. Uh, Again, verse 25, And he released unto them that for sedition and murder was cast into prison, whom they had desired, but delivered Jesus to their will. See, he has totally succumbed to the pressures of his circumstances. This is what everybody wants, he thinks. So, well, my job requires I bend a little, lie a little to keep it, cheat a little on my taxes. You know, people do that all the time. Uh, Keep peace in the family or in the nation. That was the idea here. You know, Hezekiah said, as long as there's peace in my days. But the you know, Bible tells us that Daniel put his career, his life on the line to obey the Lord his God. Peter and John put themselves at risk and their lives on the line. They said, we ought to obey God rather than men. 
You see, this is nothing more than the fear of man. Well, my circumstances require it. No, they don't. It's the fear of man. Look at Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. I used to tell my kids, don't tell me everybody else is doing it because we're not. Not everybody is anyway. That's just an excuse. You know, people use that excuse all the time. Well, everybody else is doing it. All the other churches are doing it, so why don't we? Well, is it in the Bible? Is it scriptural? That's the questions we need to ask. Not is everyone else doing it. You know, well, it was high school students down in Florida saying we need to, get, we need to have gun control. Since when did we go to children to learn policy? I mean, what good thing can a 12-year-old teach a 12-year-old? Matthew 10, verse 16 says, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. And, so, you know, and really, Pilate was, a, was, a, was in the midst of wolves. Those who brought Jesus were wolves. But be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues. And ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what ye shall speak. For it shall be given you in that same hour what ye shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the spirit of your father which is speaketh in you. And the brothers shall deliver up the brother to death, and the father to the child. And the children shall rise up against their parents, and cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that endureth to the end shall be saved. For when they persecute you in this city, flee you into another. For verily I say unto you, ye shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man be come. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master, and the servant as his Lord. If they call the master of the house Baal's above, how much shall more shall they or how much more shall they call them of his household? Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, and hid that shall not be known. What I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in the light, and what ye hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, you have more value than many sparrows. See, the Lord tells us we're not to fear man. Proverbs 29.25 says, The fear of man bringeth a snare. But whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Isaiah 2.22, Cease ye from man whose breath is in his nostrils, for wherein is he to be accounted of? Your Revelation 21.8 says, 21, says, But the fearful and unbelieving are going to spend eternity in the lake of fire with the abominable the murderers, the whoremongers, the sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars. The fearful are going to spend eternity, those that are afraid to deny themselves and take up the cross and follow the Lord daily, are going to spend eternity in hell with the drunkards, the murderers, the whoremongers, the drug addicts, 
and idolaters and all liars. Fearful of what others may say or what our loving Lord may ask of thee, uh, of surrender or submitting to, the, to, the, to our Lord and Master. There's a story of the man in the dock who said to the judge, quote, it is necessary that it is it is necessary that should live unquote and was answered quote I don't see the necessity no there is not a necessity for living if we have to sin in order to live it is better to die the the one thing needful is to glorify God enjoy life enjoy Him forever and so necessity which is sometimes said to be the tyrant's plea is the coward's plea and the weakling's plea. You see, Daniel's thought was, it's not necessary for me to live, but it is necessary for me to obey God. I'm not going to live in this life for eternity, but I am going to live somewhere in eternity, and I'm going to have to face a God when I leave this life. So it is necessary, therefore, for me to obey God. Necessity is not the important thing. The fact that we have to face God is. So we can use all the excuses that we want of our circumstances and our and the pressures of life. But our Lord says, Fear them not. Fear them not. You are of more value than many sparrows. So he halted between two opinions. He gave heed to the pressures of his circumstances. The third thing I see here is he was not willing to lay aside his own ambitions to obey the truth. Look again, verse 24 and 25. It says, And Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they required, and released unto them that for him that for sedition and murder was cast into prison, whom they had desired. But he delivered Jesus to their will. Now, go to John chapter 19. To get the full picture, you have to read some of the other gospels of this account. John chapter 19. And what really brought the conclusion to this decision Pilate made was this. John 19, verse 10. Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? He's speaking to Jesus here. Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee, and I have power to release thee? Jesus answered, Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. And from thenceforth Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, saying, Notice this statement. If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought forth Jesus and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in the Hebrew, Gabbatha. And it was the preparation of the Passover in about the sixth hour, and he saith unto the Jews, Behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. Now, verse 15, he's just 
harassing them. He's already decided what he's going to do. He decided that in verse 13. He decided what he was going to do in verse 13. When Pilate heard therefore that saying. In other words, if you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. For we have no king but Caesar. What hypocrites. See, Pilate knew Jesus was innocent. He knew that he was at fault. He knew that they had delivered him for envy. Matthew tells us that. But he also knew that the chief priests and the Sanhedrin would accuse him before Caesar if they, he would not give them what he wanted. And this is a statement that clinched their victory. They would bring false charges to Caesar against Pilate. He could lose his position. He could lose his career. So now he has to choose to being loyal to the truth and his convictions or, being, or losing his career. One commentator said this, quote, It was blackmail, pure and simple, and it worked. You see, if the choice were simply between Jesus and the Jews, Pilate would let Jesus go. But that's not exactly how it was. The black male made it a choice between Jesus and Rome. And a man will do many things to save his job. In the end, it came down to pure self-interest on Pilate's part. Unquote. You see, he was not willing to give up his own ambition. and would rather execute an innocent man. All because of self-interest. Is it not our self-interest that keeps us from repentance and salvation? Is it not self-interest that keeps us from surrender and submission to the Lord's will? It is it not self-interest that keeps us from answering His call? A self-interest was the cause of him being bought before Pilate in the first place. John eleven forty eight says, If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him, and the Romans shall come and take away our both our place and nation. See, it was the Sanhedrin self-interest that caused him to be arrested to start with. It was self-interest that let Judas led Judas to betray him. Self-interest that led Peter to deny him. David to sin with Bathsheba. Saul to hunt David as an animal. Moses to strike the rock. Abraham to go into Hagar. You know, self-interest was the cause of the first sin that was ever committed in the world. She said it looked good for food, pleasant to the eyes, and desired to make one wise. It's all self-interest. No wonder Paul said, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. You know, it's self-interest in the first place that brought the Son of Man, the Son of God, into the world, manifested himself to us that he might die. You see, sin brought all that about. It was not just Pilate's self-interest that put him on the cross. 
it was ours. It was ours. It's self-interest that keeps men from loving their wives as they should, wives from giving themselves to their husbands, children from obeying their parents. It's all self-interest. Our own ambitions. Oh, we would say today, Oh, poor Pilate. He was such a victim of his circumstances. And that's the excuses we make. Or you could look at it this way. Pilate had an opportunity. A personal interview with the Son of God who could have given him life. You know, he questioned him and declared him guiltless. But he was not willing to deny himself. In Luke chapter 9, Luke chapter 9, verse 23 to 25. Luke chapter 9, verse 23 says, Jesus said, and he said unto them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? You know, Pilate's more interested in saving himself than he is in doing what is right. Somebody said, quote, the pleading of compulsion from without as an excuse for evil is vain because no man and no thing can force us to do wrong. We know in each specific case that however strong the temptation may have been, we could have resisted it by the power of God if we would and that therefore the yielding to it was our act and ours Therefore, let no man say, I had to yield to popular clamor. I was overborne by the rush of general opinion. Everyone else thought so, and therefore I had to say so. So we may suggest that the well-worn but most wholesome needful thought that if there is anything a, man, man, a, anything a man's own of which he cannot get rid it is the burden of responsibility for his acts and the inheritance of their consequences. Unquote. You know, we can make all kinds of excuses we want. But what it boils down to at the end is we are going to be responsible, we are responsible for our own choices and our own actions. And some people will say, well, nobody ever had it like me. Have you read the scriptures through? 
Have you heard about Manasseh and then Josiah? Have you heard about David being hunted like an animal? Being anointed king and ended hunted by an, like an animal? Running for his life? Or have you read about Jabez? You see, the bottom line is, Pilate made his choice. And he chose his own ambition, his own self-interest. Somebody said, quote, memory, conscience, position, habits, character. These, if there were no God at all, make it certain that whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Thus the responsibility of the deed lies only with the doer of it. You cannot shuffle it off on your associates. You cannot establish your innocence by saying, like Adam, oh, the woman gave it me and I did eat. Or like Aaron, the people are set in evil. They said, make us gods that should go before us. Or like Pilate who said, I am innocent. See you to it. But in the end, God will send you the bill. See, in the end, you and I will have to answer to holy God for our choices. Of course, Pilate said, see you to it. The mob yelled, his blood be on us and our children. Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You see, I'm here to tell you today that guilt is not irremovable. Responsibility can be canceled. You know, the great blessing and the great mystery of the gospel is this, that the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. We can be forgiven. We can be declared righteous in the sight of a holy and righteous God. But not if we say, like Pilate, You see, we have to to receive that blessing of being declared righteous, of being cleared of the consequences of our sin and the responsibility of bearing our sin. To be cleared of that, we have to acknowledge that we are guilty before a holy and righteous God and we need a Savior. Somebody says, they who say I am innocent shut themselves out from the worth of a sacrifice that was made only for the guilty. You know, 1 John 1, 8 says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, 
He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And the wonderful thing about it is there's no such thing as too great a sinner to be saved. Think about it. There were two thieves crucified with the Lord that day, one on each side. One died and went to hell. The other went to paradise. Why? Because he acknowledged and asked the Lord, Lord, remember me. He acknowledged his guilt and his deserving of being crucified. As we were looking in Sunday school this morning, Paul, Saul, consenting to the death, hailing men and women, and the Lord saved them. You see, the Lord will save any who come unto God by him. So how is it with you this morning? How is it with you this morning? Are you halting? You can't make up your mind? Are you you like a yo-yo back and forth? Now is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. When you know it's right, you need to decide to do what's right. When you know you're guilty, you need to confess yourself as guilty and plead with the Lord to save you. And He will. Are you trying to save yourself? Or are you willing to deny yourself? So how is it with you this morning? To remind you that what Jesus said, He that saveth his life shall lose it. But he that loseth it for my sake, the same shall save it. You see, you can acknowledge your guilt now and repent and accept Christ as your Lord and Savior and have eternal life or one day you're going to have to stand before him and hear those words, guilty, depart from me. which will be.